Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love the Process Podcast. We've been married 15 years, 14 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. I've been an entrepreneur since I was four and currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and corporate training team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day, and we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. Hi, friends. Uh, It is so good to be here. So I want to have a little announcement. We are launching our 1440 Live. It is a morning and evening mastermind. So there's a 6 a.m. meeting time or an 8 p.m. meeting time, and it's a Zoom mastermind. So it's a lot of high-level people coming together to grow, keep each other accountable, and it launches on November 10th. So if that is something that interests you, head to our website, loveTheProcess.com slash 1440. Who's leading it? John File. Oh, that's right. (laughs) We're excited. We're excited. <laughs> it's going to be so great. Wednesday, 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 November 10th. We spell Wednesday with an I here at Love the Process. Wednesday. Let's win. Join 1440. <laughs> All right. We are excited to have a guest with us today. Howard, we would love it if you could give us a little introduction into who you are and what you love. Who I am. Well, that's a bit. I'm just a human being, you know, trying to do something good in this world you know, as best as I can, one step at a time, one day at a time, and, and living my life. You know, I grew up in the Seattle area, so I'm a, I'm a native to Washington. I spent 21 years at Starbucks, which is where I ended, ended my, what I call my career, not my life's work, but my career. And um, from then on, in the last, over the last 10 years, I've, I've written a couple of books. I've, I've done countless numbers of speeches and and work to nurture and inspire the human spirit of everybody that I meet. That's beautiful. I love it. I was nurtured and inspired last time we were together, Howard. And you know, you know what ended up happening? I ended up going to Africa. You did? Yeah, I just got back. Yeah. And I, I so I was nurtured and inspired to go to, to go to Uganda of yeah. all places. And what did you do in Uganda? You know, we got to, I got to speak uh, to some of their, their leadership of Central Africa that works primarily with teenagers. Uganda has the largest percentage of population of teenagers by population of any country in the world, and they're hungry, and they really want to make a difference in, in their country and then in the continent of Africa forward. And, you know, one of the things that was said to me that was interesting is you, you talk about what you, the work you've been doing uh, post-career um, those 21 years you spent um, and all you learned in the books is they're hungry. They realize more than they ever have that it's not resources that they lack. It's a mindset. They, they, they have an impoverished mindset. They have a limited mindset. And, and, and the leadership is starting to recognize the need for um, change. Uh, and now the government doesn't always appreciate that that need for change, but the local level community and the people who uh, want what's best for their families and their communities, uh, they were very encouraged uh, with the Love the Process team we brought in and and some of the things we got to see, I was very encouraged by. And I think we have a lot to learn. Uh, I, have a, I had a lot to learn from, from their hospitality, their love, uh, their care for one another, and the simplicity in which they live their life day to day. 
you know, what you said on the front end, one day at a time, you know, is, is a real, it's easy for them to do that. They don't have to focus on that. Right. Yeah. So it was neat. Have you been to Africa? I've been to Africa many times, different yeah. north to the south. Yeah. Know. Which country was your favorite? Um, well, I like South Africa a lot. I love Tanzania. It was a wonderful place. And uh, I've been to both of those locations also. You and Adrian are, <laughs> are the same traveler, huh? Yeah. I haven't been to either one. Yeah. We should do it. We're going back in the spring, hopefully. Yeah, come with us. We're going to go back in the spring. Yeah, yeah we're going to do Uganda and Kenya. Kenya, the great coffee in Kenya and Ethiopia, both countries have wonderful coffee. Uh, mm. Yeah, that they were talking about the coffee in Ethiopia yeah. when you were when he my was favorite, there. My favorite coffee, Harar. Uh, that's great. So, okay, so we uh, we say on our podcast when we're having a guest that it's like we're meeting up for coffee, right. but really it's more like we're going, we're chatting about the stuff that you would chat around around coffee. And you have a book, right? You wrote a book called "It's Not About the Coffee," right? <laughs> so what does that mean? It means it's about the people, that the coffee is important, but it's about the people because people ultimately grow coffee. They pick the coffee beans, they, they ship the coffee beans, they roast the coffee beans, they grind the coffee, they drink the coffee. Hmm. Then it goes somewhere in the ocean. So did you, was it a requisite to and be... what they talk about around coffee. Huh? Was it a requisite to be named Howard? I mean, you know, there's a couple, there's a couple of years. There are three yeah. of them, Howard. Yeah. HB, HW, and HS. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I read, uh, you know, many years ago, uh, I, I read uh, Schultz Howard, HS's book. Yeah. Pour your, pour your heart into it. Yeah. And I, I was... Uh, was inspired by the same idea you're talking about. Uh, you know, I've always drank more coffee than my share, right, Adrian? Uh, I can drink coffee all day long. And I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And I've been told, <laughs> that's not, yeah, that's not necessarily the, the right idea. So oh. I'm drinking a little water on this podcast oh, today. Good. All right. Good. Good boy. But I'd be curious, I'd be curious, Howard. Um, to tell us, yeah, about the people, um, and and I guess that when you're in business of providing coffee and providing the experience uh, that you did uh, for so many years, what were some of your biggest uh, lessons that you, you know you might be able to share with our listeners that are are in businesses and doing various things? Um, maybe not the coffee business, but the people business you're talking about. Yeah, well, we always think it's about the product or the service we're providing, but it's not about that at all. It's, it's about the people that we help and um, and it's about the people that we work with. And, you know, I, I'm a believer in the concept of servant leadership, which means that we're put on this earth to serve others. And in a work environment or in a business environment, our job as leaders is to serve the people that work in the organization. And by so doing, and they want to serve the people that we call customers. And, and when we do it in that order, then our people grow as human beings and and as they grow, they grow the organization and the organization grows the business. And it just kind of goes in that order. Without us growing the people, then the organization isn't healthy and the business doesn't grow. And uh, so we have to make, maintain our focus on growing the people that we work with, helping them to be better human beings first and foremost, and then helping them to be better professionals in the work that they do. 
But at the end of the day, we're all of us are put on this earth to do one thing, and that's to serve others. I don't mm. care what what your title is. I don't care what role you have in life, doctor, lawyer, engineer, widget maker, fire chief, architect, doesn't make any difference. Only one reason we're here, and that's to serve other people. And if you think about it, that's, that is absolutely the truth. And what happens to us, you know, we always hear people say, I, I'm burned out, right? And you read all about that all the time. I, matter of fact, right now, there's so much of it. I'm burned out. I'm, I'm this. People are changing their jobs. They're changing their jobs and they're burned out because they haven't made a connection between their greater purpose. Hmm. And, and when, you, when you don't have a greater purpose, yeah, we all get tired. Everybody gets tired, right? Everybody needs to be rejuvenated, whether it's by running or whether it's taking a trip or whatever it happens to be. But at the end of the day, you, you will never get burned out if you stay focused on, on your reason for being, which to serve others. Mm. Wow. It's awesome. That is. That's, be, that's great insight. John has an insurance company also. Yeah. They like to say, we're in the business of making people stay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we said since day one. We'd launched, it's 14 years old. Uh, and day one, you know, I, we happen to sell insurance, but we're in the business of making people stay. And, and, you know, uh, not everybody catches on to that right away. No. So I, you know, I, don't, I, mean, I got to imagine uh, in an organization of the size that you were at, um, there are people who just don't necessarily always fit that culture. How did you find the right people um, to get on the bus, to get in on that idea, to, to nurture that idea, to, to steward that idea, to grow that idea? What was your... Well, you, you, you uh, interview, you hire, you recruit and interview for human skills first and foremost, and then for the, the professional skills, accountants or lawyers or whatever it happens to be. But if the human skills aren't right, I don't care how good you are at the other stuff, you couldn't fit with inside of Starbucks. And every once in a while, we get people that would slip through the cracks and right. find out that they didn't have the human skills. And we always tried to help them, but at the end of the day, if they weren't able, weren't able to treat others with respect and dignity, they just really didn't have a place at Starbucks. That didn't mean Starbucks was perfect. It was not. And nor were the people at Starbucks perfect. But that was always our focus. And, you know, what I was talking about nurturing and inspiring the human spirit, I plagiarized that from Starbucks, BHAG, which, you know, the BHAG from Jim Collins. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was to be one of the most well-known and respected organizations in the world, known for nurturing and inspiring the human spirit. And that's what we were about. We weren't about selling coffee. We weren't about making money. Yeah. Did we need to make money? Yes, we did. But that, but that couldn't have been the driving force and it wasn't. Hmm. Yeah. And, and the philosophy that you took to grow the business too, you know, I remember, um, you know, reading that idea about shareholder value, you know, if we, we continue to provide shareholder value um, that, that growing the organization in that way with, with a lot of partners and stakeholders and obviously shareholders down the line was that was the route that was taken. And so many businesses um, are unable to, I guess, let go uh, of, you know, let go of the wheel enough to allow for the possibilities for a company to get the size that Starbucks did, who have the, the similar idea. I mean, I, I run into people all the time who have, who have a very similar vision and focus for, humanity and for for doing business well and and then but what would you say that differentiates those like 
Starbucks or, or even maybe a Whole Foods, you know, John Mackey's book, you know, is, is pretty good conscious capitalism yeah. that from, from the rest that, that do provide that. And her grandfather ran a lumber company, you know, out of Everett and was very successful. He sent his people to, to school if they wanted to get education, if their families wanted to get education, he'd send them through. Um, but there was one Martin Lumber, right? Starbucks became an international, obviously, brand and idea. Do you have any secrets or clues to that? There's no secrets, you know. It's look, luck plays a big role. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's, that's good why, to hear. That's why I love you, Howard. Yep. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. Uh, good to be lucky. It got to be, you know. Of course, luck is where opportunity meets preparation. You know. And sure. So, so the opportunity was there. Uh, you know, we we saw the opportunity. It developed in front of us, and then we put our foot on the throttle. But we did it with people in mind first. Yeah. And that was a big differentiator between, I think, ourselves and most of the rest of the competition is that we saw right away that that it really wasn't about the coffee. that It was about the people. And I coined this phrase that we weren't in the coffee business serving people, but we were in the people business serving coffee. And, you know, we all we compete for for good people. We compete for resources. Uh, we compete for share of mind. We compete for a lot of things. And you know, they all kind of came together at Starbucks and um, we, we, we saw that how big the opportunity was and we just went for it, mm. and, you know, and we were focused on it. And, and uh, it wasn't like, you know, first of all, everybody at Starbucks had to do their job to make it work. It wasn't Howard or I or Orange Smith, uh, the, the three primary leaders of the company at the time. It was the people that did the work the people that attached to the greater purpose of the organization to nurture and inspire the human spirit that made it happen. All, all we did was knock down the hurdles and provide the resources and make sure that we, that we stayed true to our uh, core values. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, there's no, I'm taking, there's no notes, there's no taking copious notes right now. I mean, you know, the, you know, coffee, you were, we weren't the first out there. There were 21 other companies when I started that were larger than Starbucks doing what we were doing. Huh. Yeah. And, and, uh, and yet, you know, and, and a lot of them have done well, but most of them are relatively small, but there's lots of smaller companies that have done really well here in the Northwest, you know, that have done well, you know, whether they get as big as Starbucks is not the point. The point is, did they create a good place to work? They, did they serve people? Did, you know, did they care about the people that worked in the organization, care about the people that they're serving? If they got, you know, Starbucks has 35,000 stores globally. You know, mm -hmm. when I started, there were 28. I mean, there's companies around country, Dutch Brothers out of out of Oregon that I don't know, has got about three, 400 stores or in the, more in the franchise business. We were never in franchise business. We we're always company owned, but they've done a good job and they're good people. And, and uh, there are lots of companies around that are doing a good job. So you don't measure your success by how big you are. You measure your success by who you are. Hmm. 28. When you say 28, you don't mean 28,000. You mean 28. 28. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, just, I just want to make sure our, our listeners understand yeah. how much you've seen, uh, you know, grow. How old was Starbucks when you, when they had 28? Well, when I first talked to Howard Schultz, they actually had 11 stores. That was a year before I joined in 1988. I joined in 1989. So Starbucks started in 1971 and really had pretty much only six or seven stores when Howard Schultz bought the company in 1987. Mm -hmm. And Howard started to grow it. But, um, but you know, it was, 
just a dream come true. I mean, who could have ever predicted that? I couldn't. Yeah. Or what if, if I had predicted I'd have held on to all my stock? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So you got to do a lot of international stuff with Starbucks. Is that right? I started the international business, yeah. Yeah. So what's some of your favorite memories? Oh, the people. The people mm -hmm. that I met, the friends that I made, the uh, the interesting places that I visited, the the learning about the individual cultures, the um the probably the most important lesson I learned that I, I, I kind of knew in my heart that we're all the same. It doesn't make any difference the color of your skin, the religion you practice, the food you eat, uh, the, the cultural differences. At the end of the day, we all wanna love and be loved. We all wanna grow as human beings. We all wanna to, want to be treated with respect and dignity. Um, you know, and, and after that, you know, it's just little stuff. Those are the big things, you know? And the big things are the things that tie us together. You know, yet we all think we're different, you know, this, this same thing, you know, we think because somebody has a different skin color than us that somehow they're not different. We all want the same thing. Uh, maybe they eat different food, you know, from uh, dinner on the dinner table. You know, if you're Italian, you're eating, maybe you're eating pasta if you're broad generalizations here, okay. <laughs> if, if, if you're Scandinavian, maybe you've got some herring on the table for dinner. You know, who knows what you have. But the point being is that that uh, we're all the same. We're all the same. And, and we get caught up in that we're different. And, you know, it's it causes our problems. It's all it's the country, you know, you know, it said we the people. It didn't say me the people. Mm -hmm. Right. And right now we're caught up in me the people. Yeah. Right? Didn't say we the corporations either. Huh? It didn't say we the corporations either. No, uh -uh, no. It says we the people. Yeah. And, you know, and when you say we, that's a big word. That implies that you're willing to give up some of yourself for another person. So just because you think it's good for me doesn't mean it's good for we. And, and that's the problem we're having right now. You know, I'm not going to get a shot because you're taking a vaccination because you're because you're interfering with my freedom. Really? Freedom has accountability and responsibility. Without those two words, there is no freedom. Mm -hmm. Right. It, it's not all about us. Right. So, you know, I, I worry about it because I, I think that uh, we're on the wrong track. Right. So I, I get a question on the, the international side. Where did you guys, where did you guys go first? And, and yeah. what, was, what, what was some of your, what were your, where were your favorite places? Japan? Yeah. Well, I think one of my favorite countries is Japan. Uh, it was just an interesting place. Wonderful people. You could leave a suitcase on the corner overnight. Nobody would touch it. <laughs> the truth. Yeah. We just had friends stay with us that had been in Japan for the last uh, a few years and, um, they brought a, a lot of, of goodwill and, th you know, ideas like that you're describing that, um, you know, that is they see, you know, like you say, what's happening here. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, so that's a, that's an interesting, I, they didn't tell me that, but, uh, that's really an interesting idea. If you had a map in your hand uh, and you're standing on a, in Shibuya, which is a big intersection in Tokyo, uh, corner of Shibuya in Shibuya, and you had a map in your hand. I guarantee you, somebody is going to stop and ask if you need help. I guarantee it. Hmm. Not only that, okay, you say, I'm trying to get to XYZ train station. They will walk you to the train station. Yeah. 
That's awesome. That is. Where were you, where, did, where, where were you born? Where did you grow up, Howard? Oh, Seattle, Swedish Hospital in Seattle, 1944. I, uh, October 16th, I was born in that same place. <laughs> I just turned 77. Oh, happy birthday. Her daughter's birthday is October 19th. Uh, happy birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that I, I was born in that hospital um, a couple years later. Yeah, a few years. Yeah, a few years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really neat. The, and then you did you go to Ballard High School or what? Where'd Roosevelt, you? Roosevelt. Okay. Well, we only had like two or I mean. No, uh, there was there was Ballard, Roosevelt, Lincoln, West Seattle, uh, Garfield, uh, Garfield, Franklin, uh, Cleveland, and uh, uh, Queen Anne. Okay. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you're a rough rider. I'm a rough rider. That's it. So Where'd you go? I went to Bothell High School. Bothell. Bothell. Oh. What was what was Bothell's nickname? What was the Cougars? Cougars, okay. Yeah, yeah, the Bothell Cougars. Um, you know, I was I enjoyed. I was voted two things when I my senior class. I was voted most likely to become president, and most visits to the principal's office. <laughs> True story. The jury's still out, by the way. And and you talk about skin color. I could tell I I looked a little different than everybody, and so um, I coined the term African. I said, I'm African-American. My dad was African, left when I was very young, African-American, and my mother's Norwegian and German. So yeah. that's my heritage. And I used to say, I'm a African. And I said, you watch. One day in America, they're going to vote a African president. And uh, I just thought it was going to be me. I was right. It's this guy named Barack, you know, twice. It was twice. Yeah. So I, I certainly identified with Barack when he was running for office. Yes, we can. So now I'm like, well, we've gotten a African Bothell, which is a city I grew in. It it grew like crazy. I said Bothell's going to blow up. So now we're we're trying to work on uh, whatever whatever's next. And and one of the things that we do is love the process and bringing people like you uh, on to tell your story so that our listeners can be encouraged and inspired to yeah. do more uh, and be more of who they are. And you really align with the way that we think. Um, and you've shown that that you can think this way and be successful in business as well, which from my perspective is really important. Um, you know, I was in Africa. Uh, I think we said before we got on this podcast, we we're talking about Africa. And and it's amazing uh, when somebody has that not only the ability to identify who they are, but also their skills in the marketplace to be able to use those skills in the marketplace to provide opportunities for their families Last time I was there was 13 years ago, and I met this kid named Vincent. He was 16 years old at the time, and I hadn't seen him in 13 years. We had lunch in Kampala, and I asked him, how's it going? He came, showed up about a week ago, and he says, very well. I'm like, nice. How you Tell me more. Got his degree in economics, got into motorcycle parts, started a motorcycle parts distribution business, and, and, and he's got franchises throughout Kampala. He's got a car. He's got a house, got a girl that's studying computers, two-year-old. I'm like, you need to get a ring, Vincent. And then, and then his brother went in the construction business. And it's interesting when you can plant a seed like what you're doing, Howard, with your book and with your, your, this next chapter in your life uh, with people, uh, how much significance. Because there's, there's two ladders I've seen. In people, and you're on. You you think about significance. That's why I loved our conversation. You think about significance. Everything that I can tell, certainly on paper, and everything you've said today, is that you want to live a life of significance. A lot of people want to live a life of success. Yeah, they, they just want to climb a ladder of success. And so I'm just 
gratefully taking notes and taking it in um, uh, and and want to know our big you know continual question every day is how do we bring that message your message to uh, more people across the world because the fact of the matter is the thing that is broken is there's not enough people who who are getting the simplicity of what you're talking about mm. and there's a variety of reasons for that and it's easy to be about problems but the question is is just like you guys went from 28 to 34 8,000 is you solve the problem and 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 you got lucky along the way and hard work met preparation but what is the thing if you could think that through that we could focus our energy on collectively that might bring more hope to people uh, that we're all the same. I mean, they usually shoot people, by the way, that think the way we're talking, right? They shot Martin, they shot Bobby, they shot, they shot at, you know, Reagan, who was personal responsibility. They shot Kennedy, they shot Lincoln. I mean, they usually do. So I'll wear a, I'll get a vest. Okay. <laughs> but I'm really passionate about what you're, what you're saying here. And I, I really do believe there's, there's hope in, in the in the difficulties if we can um what you you discussed with starbucks is is they had a common vision and and in you it's the name of your book right um or it's you know that common idea like what would you say and it might be the one that you just articulated but that could be a common idea well that was it there's a common purpose to nurture and inspire the human spirit Uh, didn't say we're going to sell how many pounds of coffee how much money we're going to make but that we're going to basically add value to people's lives yeah, and nurture them along the way, both the people that worked at Starbucks and the people that we serve. So, you know, look, it's, this is hard because we're born greedy. We're not born pure, right? You know, we think we are, but we're not. And and we're, and our, our, we get our mother's milk and we want that when we want it, we want it now and we don't get it, we cry, right? Until we get what we want. And, and we have to learn to share. We have to learn to share. And um, we learn over time that it, it really is about we, it's not about me. But yet that's hard for us as human beings, you know, we want our stuff, we want ours. But the way you get ours is by giving to others first. Mm-hmm. It, it just is a, it's, it's, a, it's the rule. Now, do, do other, do, do, are there greedy people that make lots of money? Yes. Are there greedy people that have lots of power? You bet. Right. But is that really the way we want to live? What, what, how is that helping the total? Mm-hmm. How does that help all of us? You know, it's, it's just, you know, it's it's just so not, how, were, not how it works. And yet, yeah. yet that's the argument we're having. The argument in the United States is basically that argument. Me versus we. It boils down to that simple of a concept. It's not socialism or capitalism, because those are just made up con those are just made up things. Nothing is pure form, right? It, everything is a combination of mm. right. What do you think it's a symptom of? Because I, I, yeah, I think the, the or uh, what do you think the causing condition is? You think the causing condition is selfishness and and being born um, selfish and and I want what I want and me focused. Um, yet we go oh, across the world that. and we don't we don't we go across the world and we don't see. You just described Japan. So uh, what would you say the core, like the core issue? It's kind of like um, 
you know, anything. Like if I'm bleeding it's in my arm, cause. like what's causing, like what's, I need to get down to, I can see there's blood, but what, what how do I fix it? What's the core, what's the root cause? Yeah. You know, um, what makes families work? What makes a marriage work? How long have you guys been together? 15, 15 years of marriage. Yeah. And what makes it work? There's one word. Communication. Commitment. <laughs> trust. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, no trust, right? And now how do you gain trust? By good communication, by commitment, by loving and caring about each other, no matter what, that's how you gain trust. And when trust is broken, usually one of those things is broken down. We don't care. We forget to share. We forget to love, right? I'll and, do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it's, that's what it is. And so that's where it is. And that's where it is. It's just, yeah, we call it. There's a lack of trust in this country. And when I remember when I was ten, Howard, to your point, I remember when I was ten. I was walking into Fred Meyer with my uncle, and I was raised by my aunt and uncle. I was a ward of the court when I was seven, and yada yada. But I remember I was ten years old with my uncle in the Fred Meyer, and and I looked at this magazine on the wall, and I go, O.J. Simpson's an alien, and he goes, No, he's not. It's bullcrap. And I'm like, What do you mean? It says it right there. O.J. is an alien, yeah. and I'm like. He's like, no, no, it's not. It's the National Enquirer. Then go a little further. I remember I was about 13, 14 years old. And this mayor out of Cincinnati named Jerry Springer, he started a TV show called the Jerry Springer Show. And I used to sit at home and Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. <laughs> and I start to watch it. I'm like, man, there's, there's some craziness in this world, man. This place is nuts. And everywhere I turn right now, I can click on any. I can go watch any outlet. Yeah. Any outlet. And 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 because of the way that it's funded, yeah. the way that it wins as an organization, the way you win at Starbucks, you sell coffee. Awesome. Great input, great output. Not the A minus B. Oh, the way we win at Starbucks people. is not selling coffee. It's by serving people. Right, right, right. Anybody can sell coffee. Great point. Great point. So that's the way you win at Starbucks. So how do we create a game? How do and, and that's perfect to my point? How do we create a game? where we play a different we're playing a different game with the information because what what people will tell you all across america is they don't trust the information they don't trust what they're hearing they don't trust it and so it's broken on all sides and then people don't trust each other i don't trust you and and like people can be looking at the same exact issue and somebody goes the sky is green and somebody else goes oj's an alien and, and so there, it's never been a time in space. I don't haven't seen a time in space where there's been so much speed in which we can, which information is disseminated across varieties of platforms in people's hands. I mean, you used to have the newspaper, right? It would be printed once and it hit my doorstep. And I, you probably read the Wall Street Journal or the Seattle Times and maybe both or the Business Journal and you read it. And, and that's, I, I don't know that that's the only issue, but I believe that there's no question in the United States of America, we don't, we're not trusting elections for crying out loud. We have two, two cycles of elections, won by two different parties and both parties go, it was bull crap, interference. It wasn't right. It wasn't administered right. The Russians interfered or the ballots were invalid or whatever. So, so if, if the sanctity of the democracy is, is undermined, you're right, Howard. It's our, our, the issue is there's those that want to undermine that. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those that want to build. Yeah. Uh, 
See, our success isn't shouldn't be judged by what we get. It's by what we give. But sure. we're judging our, our success by what we get, not by what we give right now. And I get freedom. I get to express my deal. I get to tell everybody how I think, you know, and I'm right. You're wrong. You know, and uh, it it's we'll get through it, you know, but I don't think it's going to be without some pain. Mm. I yeah, I that. think when there's a common some something in common that we can rally around. So remember in Seattle a few years back, Super Bowl, right before Super Bowl 48, the 12th man flag started popping up all yeah. over the city. Every win that they had, more and more flags would pop up and everybody was cheering for each other and everyone was excited. We were all rallying around one common. What was the 12th man about? It was about giving, wasn't it? About supporting the team. There's 11 players on the field and we're the 12th by helping the team, right? Yeah. That's what it was about. And yeah. we said we're going to give to get. If we give and support that team and cheer and all the thing and think positively, you know, win, lose, or draw, right? We get something out of it. You know, we bring the city together. We have joy and hope and all those things. Yeah. The true north then is purpose. I mean, it, to me, yeah. if, if we can get, if to Adrian's point, if we can rally around, you, what's Howard's purpose? What's Adrian's purpose? Celebration of purpose, which is what you, 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 you're, you're talking about here today. Um, and make it make kids. I mean, you have to start all, you know, in some ways you start with a generation who's just dumb enough to believe, right? I mean, I mean something can be different than it's been. And yeah. so I don't, that's why I love teenagers. I love coaching young, we have an internship program. I love working with youth because they, they are open-minded and, and able to adapt and adopt an idea. So is it purpose? I mean, the idea of like, there's 7 billion people, they've all got a purpose and it all, they all matter. Well, in any organization, you have to have something that brings it together to unifies it. You've got kids. There's something that brings your family together, right? And it, it's uh, about caring for each other, trusting each other, serving each other in some way or another, helping each other grow, help your kids grow. You know, they help your kids help make it a family, you know, all those things. And that's that pretty much is it. We have to have those things that bind us. And we're, we have, that's what's kind of missing right now. We think it's, it, we think it's freedom. Well, that was Kennedy, right? Don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country, yeah, right? Right, exactly. There it is, right there. There it is. Yeah. Like I said, that's about it. We talk about it, but, you know, I'm always amazed at what comes out of some people's mouths. And I'm wondering what, you know, and, and then, then, then they go talk about their church right after they've said something that's terrible. Right. <laughs> what church are you going to? Yeah, where, where, did, where did it, where did Jesus say it's all about me? Yeah. I, I don't know any place. So good. You know, <laughs> did, did Moses say it's all about me? No. He said, it's about we. Well, even Muhammad said it was about we. Yep. Gone. Right now, you can agree or disagree to the differences, right? Whatever it is, or Buddhists, what do they Buddh It's the same thing. It was always about we. And yeah. somehow we just are stuck on me right now. And that's where we got it. We've got to figure out how to get through. Yeah. yeah. You know. and, have the and I think have the courage to say it when it's off. Yeah. That, oh. that's, a, that's a me focus. John yeah. had one of his stories from Africa that I liked when he came back was that his friend William said that he went to try out a new church with his wife. And he says, this isn't the gospel. And he stands up and he says, we're leaving. He says to his wife, we're leaving. And then later he says, I wish I'd gone back and told the pastor, this isn't the gospel before I left. 
yeah. And, and I said, and, and so, but in, I told him, I said, William, that what's nice about what you're saying is, is you have access, right? You have the access to do that, to, to yeah. lean in and, and to, to give correction, right? Um, right now, there's so little access ability, right? To, to the loudest voices, I think, that are being uh, heard in America. Uh, there's so little, and, and what the motivations are for those voices, if they think it's the right thing or, or whatever. Um, but at the same time, like uh, I told William, I'm like, well, then there's these huge, you know, they got these big old churches out here. And then, you know, you hear about what the pastor's doing and you're like, that's like, how is that? Like, how's that church? And so, um, but how do you, you get close enough. How do you get close enough, I guess, to the leaders, uh, certainly that, that have the influence in our communities. We start at home. I love what you said. That's where we start. We start yeah, with our all starts there. It all starts with you, the individual. Who yep. are you? What are your values? How do you live those values? Then yeah. and you two get together and you say, what do we have in common? What are our differences? How do we solve both? How do we solve those? Now, how do we take those things that we have in common and we're going to have children? How do we put those things into our family? And then our work. We have these careers or life's work, I like to call it. Right. And how do we put with the things that we believe into that? And it's one step at a time. And it, it just requires constant reinforcement, constant effort. And when you see something that's wrong or you hear something that's not right, you got to speak up. Yeah, that's what you got. You don't have to be judgmental. You just have to ask the questions. Why so, do you believe what you believe? Yeah. And how does that is that serving the we or is that serving the me? Yeah, love it. So tell us about your family, Howard. Yeah, I've got six grandchildren. One who is a very special one. We had a housekeeper that was undocumented, and uh, we ended up a group of us helped her to get documented, and she got married, and uh, she couldn't have a baby, and. She, and they were disappointed all the time. And so my wife and I bought them fertility, fertility treatments for one Christmas. And she then had a miscarriage on the first baby, but then had a baby girl. Her name is Joy Lynn. And she's 13 years old right now. And mm. she's the most wonderful kid. And so she's she's the sixth of our grandkids. My my son has, uh, and my daughter only have three, two boys or two girls and a boy, oldest one being 21 about. And my daughter has two girls, the oldest one being 16. So we have wow. a nice family and, and is it perfect? No, but, but it's a family. Mm. What a cool story. Where'd you, cool. where'd you go to college again? Undergrad and yeah. I, you're looking at a guy that barely got out of high school. What are you talking about college? No, I had, <laughs> two, I had two years of community college at Everett. Oh, there we go. Yeah. ECC. Right across the street from my grandpa's house. Yeah. yeah. Jim <laughs> oh, you, you grew up in Everett, right? Or your grandpa did? My, yeah, my mom grew up in Everett. Yeah. My grand, my grandpa had a business up there. Yeah, Martin Martin Lumber. They're still going. Are they? My uncle are running it now, but his place there, a place on Colby, right or what? Wetmore. Or Wetmore. Or Wetmore, right, right, right by the uh, community college. Yeah, and I'll bet you, you're probably some of your aunts went there. Did they? Or no, they all went to WSU. They all went to That's WSU. Right. That was a requirement. <laughs> he was paying, but you had to go to WSU. WSU. <laughs> Because I thought there was affiliation with Gonzaga. I am, well, no, I was on the board of the leadership school at Gonzaga. That's, That's right. But I'm a UW Husky fan. I grew up. I grew up a mile from Husky Stadium. You know, University of Washington. The, the campus was my playground. Mm. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's where we root. 
That's where we root. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Big game coming up this Saturday yeah, against Oregon. Oregon. Against Oregon. You know, we uh our kids love uh love getting to Husky Stadium. What a fun my first time going to Husky Stadium, you talk about luck, Howard. I was 10 years old. I put in a a deal at the Bon Marche, uh, a little drawing. And they drew my name out and they left a message on our answering machine. And my aunt and uncle were like, no, what? The Bon Marche said you won two tickets on a sailboat to the game. I was 10 years old, never been to this game in my life. And uh, so they asked me, well, maybe John filled some out. I go, yeah, I filled out the thing. And, the, and <laughs> you know, did we win? You know, and they're like, well, it sounds like we might have. So sure enough, my uncle and I got on the boat and we were playing the Oregon Ducks. And uh, it was my first game at Husky Stadium. And, you know, my childhood, first seven, eight, nine years was pretty rough. And so to go to a game was a huge deal. And uh, you had to lean the sailboat a little bit just to get under that Montlake Bridge. Everybody got on one side, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we smacked them. You know, it was 1990. That was those good years. We had some Don James was coaching. And, oh, good boy. You're, see, you're old. You yeah. know all that stuff. When you can say the Bon Marche, you're really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, I, when I was 18 years old, I was working at the Bon Marche in men's department. And um, I, I get I get on the bus and a, a woman gets on the bus and she says, Kennedy's been shot. Mm. That's how I learned John Kennedy had been shot. Mm. It's right out in front of the Bon Marche on 3rd Avenue. Never wow. that as long as I live. Yeah. Wow. That was that was sixty years ago almost. Yeah, it would have been nineteen sixty-three. Sixty, it would be. Uh, well, let's see. It was eighteen, so I'm seventy. So yeah, it was fifty-nine years ago. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. What was that feeling? Tell tell me about. I mean, shock. Was, yeah. Shock. I mean, absolute shock. It was just uh, you know, and the tears coming people's eyes and. And the fear and the sorrow, it was a, an amazing experience. He had people, he had people believe in. Yeah, 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 he did. He had, he had, he helped people gain hope. He right? did. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of my favorite speeches. Then, you don't remember this, but, but he was Catholic, right? He was yeah. Catholic. Yeah. So everybody said Catholic can't be president, right? Can't, you can't have a Catholic president. Right, they'll be the worst. They'll be allegiance to the Pope, right? You know, right. it's we always have this stuff. You know, mm. we have we have our inability to turn our fears into faith. Man, that's good. No, I I don't remember that. I you know the speech that he gave on a, down in Texas about we choose to go to the moon though. I do remember yeah. that. Right. And and that's one of my favorite speeches to show our kids. And during the COVID, we we were homeschooling the kids and and. Uh, I was leadership teacher, you know, and so we had a um, learn to learn. So it's seven topics. One is learn to learn. We had money Monday. We had, you know, different things I wanted to teach the kids during the COVID. And, and uh, they wanted to watch that speech a second time, you know, so not so tell us about the moon. So we did the moon. We played that speech. And they go, could we watch that speech again? And there's something about the way that he he transferred belief. Yeah. Right. He, he transferred that hope, like you're talking. Like there's, there's people who have hope internally, um, but his gift was unbelievable in his ability to transfer it. He had a great gift. Yeah. Well, Adrian. That, I mean, that comment, fear to change, fear to faith. That's yeah. yeah. 
Because it's the same energy, it's just a different direction, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same energy, just a just a different way of looking at it. Hmm. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Howard, this has been uh, really powerful. <laughs> we have loved this podcast. So we always ask at the end, if you had one thing to share with our audience, what would it be? Yeah, live your life with intention. Write down your values on a piece of paper. What are your eight to 10 core values? It's hard to do because you'll get a list of 300 words that represent human values. Get it down to 50 and then get it down to the eight to 10 that are core. There's probably 50 that are. you could say, I, I have these two, but the eight to 10 that are really important and then write them down and then write down what those values mean to you. And my first core value is honesty. And if I asked a thousand people, are you honest? Most people would say, yes, I'm honest. But what does honesty mean to you? Because it might be different than the next person. And, and so write those down. And then, and then have a personal mission statement. Why are you on this earth? Hmm. What are you here to do? What, should, what drives you? you know? And then have a plan. Have a three, five-year and five-year plan. You know, under the heading, spirituality, material, economic, children, family, marriage, uh, what kind of house you want to live, whatever it is that you have, these things are headings across the top. And then as a couple or as a family or as an individual, write down three to five goals underneath each of those headings that you want. What do you want for your marriage? You know, do you have those written down? What you want for your marriage over the next five years? What do you want for your kids over the next five years? And, and be intentional about it. Life just passes by. You want you don't want to wake up one day and say, what the hell happened? Hello. You want to, you want to live your life with intention. So, you know, live your life. If you say, I want to take Saturday, every Saturday off, and I just want to veg, write it on your calendar. Saturday is my veg day. Right? <laughs> Whatever it is, do it with intention. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. That's awesome. This is Olive. Olive, say hi. Who is this? This is Olive. Olive, like how she, are you? Looks like she put a little makeup on. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> this is Howard. Hi, Howard. Hi, Olive. How old are you, Olive? Six in kindergarten. Kindergarten, huh? Wow. Good I'm for you. And tallest in my class. You are? She's left-handed too. Good. That's good to be left-handed. Yeah. Are you left-handed? No. She's the only one in our family. That's okay. That's my great grandma. Your great grandma was left-handed? Grandpa. Actually, great -grandpa. Jim Martin. Grandma. Uh, her grandpa was left-handed. Left-handed is good. You yeah, he lived there. lived to be a hundred, died in his sleep. Yeah. Died in his sleep? Yeah. Died in his sleep. Yeah. Sounds like a good way to go. <laughs> his calendar was empty. Actually, if you're gonna go, it's a good way I to go. Die when you know by, it's called being kissed by the angels. Awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Howard. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we got a gift that'll be coming your way. Bye. So look, look for uh, we'll, we'll get email contact information. Um, are you on any platforms for people? So tell me about your book. Uh, oh yeah, here, look. Let me give you. Here's my. Here's my. There's another one. My telephone number. My cell phone number is 206-972-7776. and my email address is hb at howardbhard.com. I will answer everybody. So I'm on LinkedIn and I'm Twitter, but you know it may take me a while because I'm slow. I'm getting slower too. I'm not speeding up. So uh, anyway, but I'm always interested in hearing from people and, and what they're thinking about. And so I'm always open. I'm picking up your book. All right. I confess, I haven't read it yet, but that's my commitment. I'm going to pick up your book for sure. Okay. All right. 
Yeah, buy a couple hundred of them. Put them to your friends. (laughs) (laughs) I come up, bring them up to Jeff will bring them up to Anna Quarters, have you sign them, go Zags, and then we'll. Uh, Okay. (laughs) All right. Have a great night. Bye, Howard. Bye bye, Olive.